Welcome, everybody, to another incredible episode of the Flagship Podcast. I like to call it the podcast for Longhorns Insiders. Uh, joining me, as always, the fearless one. Uh, we call her T-Bone because her older brothers used to use her as a punching bag. Uh, but that's why she's so tough and so great now. That's not a very great intro, is it? Uh, Taylor Estes, managing <laughs> editor of Horns 24-7. Taylor, we like to say you're one of the guys, but you're certainly not one of the guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thankfully, I don't look like some of my, co- um, my colleagues at Horns 24-7. But <laughs> exactly. Thank talk, God. talk shop like y'all. <laughs> thank God. That's right. Um, we Yes, thank you. Thank heavens. And uh, speaking of cohorts at 24-7, shout out to Jeff Howe, yes. who is going to be um, holding down a, a 10 a.m. to noon uh, broadcast slot with the voice of the Longhorns, Craig Way, on my rival competitor radio station. I'll let you say it, Taylor. Uh, 104.9 The Horn in Austin or hornfm.com and yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you know, you guys may be kind of competitors on the radio waves, but the way I look at it, uh, that's five hours of Horns 24-7 on the air locally in Austin um, on the two sports talk stations that are there in and 1300 The Zone with Chip Brown's show from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays, Monday through Friday, uh, the bottom line with his co-host, uh, Mike Harge, and then uh, at 10 o'clock, 10 to noon, Jeff Howe and Craig Way will be holding it down over at 104.9 The Horn, so... Awesome for all parties. We're really excited for Jeff. Yeah, someone someone values our analysis, right? Right. It's good. Yeah, we're the only. We're it's interesting. We're the only uh, the only website out there that has a constant presence on the radio airwaves. So, I think I think that's a sign that people need to ho- sign up for Horns twenty four seven. I don't know. Maybe I, I agree. <laughs> which is a perfect segue to uh, those who are listening who are maybe not currently. Uh, members of Horns 24-7, or maybe our month-to-month, we always say, become an annual member. Jump in. You won't be sorry, because when you're an annual member at Horns 24-7, you get VIP access to every team site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and there is none better. I mean, we are the preeminent source for all, all you know, insider information on college, football, basketball, you name it. Uh, across all the Power Five and beyond. So uh, the vision of Shannon Terry and, of course, our man uh, Bobby Burton and and the team we have here uh, with Taylor, myself, Jeff Howe, uh, Mike Roach, Nick Harris, great team. And um, without further ado, we'll, we'll say this. Our, our interview on today's flagship podcast is Carrie Caulfield. Now that name means nothing to you, but it will. It will. Because if you follow Texas baseball, you can thank him for basically alerting Texas to that stud freshman left-handed pitcher, Pete Hansen, who's been a monster uh, for the Longhorns and was so again in the uh, Shriners Children's Hospital College Classic down at Minute Maid Park, throwing uh, three more scoreless innings for Texas um, uh, in their win over Arkansas. And he has, in four appearances this season, 
a 0.00 ERA. Can't get much better than that. That's uh, perfection in baseball. Pretty darn good. I think everyone will enjoy uh, hearing that story. But Taylor, it was a, it was a good weekend for the Longhorns. Um, when you look at the basketball team, and we're recording on Tuesday, and the basketball team's going to play a huge game tonight against Oklahoma, but they've won four straight and have made this, um, you know, the final two games of the regular season against Oklahoma on the road in Norman and then home against Oklahoma State this weekend relevant. We thought we were riding out a, um, a DOA situation, a toe tag, and amazingly, with injuries all over the place to Jericho Sims and Jace Febris and Gerald Liddell and even Matt Coleman, who's been hobbled by a foot injury. Uh, Shaka Smart has, lo and behold, discovered, hey, these guys I've had on the bench, uh, Royce Ham, Brock Cunningham, Kai Jones, are great role players for Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey and... Matt Coleman, and they've complimented each other. There's been energy, and four wins in a row later, Texas basketball making a little noise here maybe at the end. I mean, it's it's almost comical, but hey, kudos to those kids because they're working their butts off. No, for sure. I, my, my new nickname, actually, Chip, I haven't told you this yet, but my new nickname for Shaka Smart is The Cat because that man has nine lives. I don't know how this is happening right now. But for real, I mean, the fact CBS Sports put out uh, the latest bracketology um, uh, predictions earlier this week, and they had Texas in the NCAA tournament. And it's just it's blowing my mind that we've been talking and everybody has been anticipating that Shaka Smart will be done. Texas won't make the tournament for the third time in five seasons, which would match the same number of times in 28 years that Tom Penders and Rick Barnes didn't make the tournament. And lo and behold, Texas is for sure at least a bubble team at this point, I think, going into uh, as they start March. You know, I think these next two games will be crucial, as you mentioned. But, uh, you know, I, I love the I just love the story of Andrew Jones, too. You know, Andrew Jones and wins over number 20 ranked West Virginia and number 22 ranked Texas Tech last week. He hit a he tied his career high in both games. He hit his career high of 22 points against West Virginia and then against Texas Tech Saturday. He tied and matched that career best 22 points. And CBS Sports analyst John Rothstein, I think, said it best. He tweeted on Monday that the story in college basketball that is not getting anywhere near the attention that it needs to be getting is how well Andrew Jones is thriving after he battled his, you know, after his leukemia battle and his first full season back with the program. I mean, it's unbelievable to see that. And just watching this team, you know, I think it's hard not to root for him to continue down this path and continue to see the success, regardless if you're a Texas fan or a Texas hater because of what you know, he's the beacon of hope for cancer survivors, honestly, and, and people battling cancer. So it's just an awesome thing to see. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, that kid has um, an unbelievable, relentless, um, never, you know, never give up spirit. And he envisioned this from the beginning. I mean, when, you know, he he contemplated his cancer treatment at Dell Children's um 
you know, medical center here in Austin and not to put them in any bad light, but he didn't feel it. He didn't feel the mojo with them. And he went down to MD Anderson and he, every chance he got, he was trying to dribble a basketball in the cafeteria at the hospital, then, you know, down the hallways and, and then eventually when he could get out in a gym and, and you're right to see this, uh, because he has been electric and he and Courtney Ramey offensively have been the reason for this resurgence. And then, you know, from a dirty work standpoint, it's been Royce Ham, Kai Jones and Brock Cunningham. None of these guys were starters for for Shaka Smart. But, oh, wow. It's amazing when roles get defined. And, right. you know, I talked to Fran Frischilla today, who's kind of the voice of Big 12 basketball on ESPN. And and he said, you know, role delineation and by what they're doing now because of guys like Royce Ham, Kai Jones and Brock Cunningham, they really could play the way that Shaka Smart used to play at VCU and just get after people. I mean, they're finally playing with energy and purpose and, and who knows how it's all going to end. If you'd have asked me a week ago or 10 days ago, I'd have said shock is done, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, he's got a ten and a half million dollar buyout. Fans aren't coming, right? They're, they're not there. There's 3000 people in the Irwin center for, men's basketball. Now, I don't know if that's going to change for Oklahoma State this weekend. I don't know if the fans are paying attention close enough to see this sort of new energy that's going on with the team or if they've already written them off. It's going to be interesting. Um the 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 Rick Barnes always used to say the red eye, or the the eye in the sky don't lie. Mm-hmm. And that the attendance figures will tell the story on uh on Saturday. So it was a big weekend elsewhere. I mean, softball uh, takes down number one UCLA at UCLA and then number two Washington um, in the Judy Garman uh, classic at Cal State Fullerton. So they go four and one in a California road trip, including those two wins over one and two, and then beat number 13 Michigan. And now Softball America has them. Number one, Taylor. Yeah, number one, Softball America. Number two um, in ESPN and USA Softball with five first place votes. And then number three in USA Today and the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association organization has them third. So they, that, they're the ones that kept them um, at that number three ranking. But it's awesome to see, Chip, you know, um, with just being – covering the University of Texas, you know, there are a lot of times I feel like people feel we don't give enough attention to every sport and it's, it's difficult, you know, it, it really is difficult to, to, um, dedicate so much manpower to covering some of the, the smaller sports on the field. And a lot of times the women's sports fall in that category. And, you know, as a woman who was an athlete growing up in a family that, you know, a baseball minded family with professional bloodlines, you know, I, I love watching the softball team play because, and I wasn't allowed to play softball growing up. I actually had to play baseball because my dad wanted me to play baseball, which um, I think he just he didn't know much about softball and he wanted to be able to help coach me, you know, a little bit more. So well, he had your dad, Rod Gasper, member of the 1969 Miracle Mets. Um, so 
Yeah. Big time yeah. baseball family. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I'm, I've always really enjoyed watching softball, uh, just cause I, I never really got to play it. I had to play with all the boys, which is a story for another day. Cause, uh, I have some doozies <laughs> there, but, <laughs> I'll tell you. but no, it's, it's really good to, to not only just see the, the women's softball program thrive this early in the season, but that it's gaining national attention and it's a difficult thing in women's sports for them to kind of make headlines, especially over men's sports. And I think right now the softball program is probably leading the headlines, uh, over even baseball. So it's, it's just really cool to see. And it's, oh. um, you know, I hope they keep it up. And you gotta, you gotta love the hire, you know, Chris Del Conte, oh. uh, fires, um, Connie and mm-hmm. Connie Clark, who'd been the only coach of Texas softball. Yeah. For what? Uh, 25 fire her. They didn't renew her contract, whatever. She got fired. Um, and then, you know, goes out and hires Mike White from Oregon. Mike White brings in, you know, Miranda Ellish and Mary, uh, a Copo, uh, who's now playing third base. She was the catcher last year who unfortunately tried to make a throw to second base, uh, against Alabama in the Super Regional and ended up hitting Miranda Ellish in the face, breaking three bones in her face. Mm. And it was a horrific situation. You you weren't sure how Miranda Ellis was going to handle it. She didn't really, you know, she hadn't been on the mound in six months. All she did to start the season was uh, wipe people out on the mound and then <laughs> bat 8-18 at the plate with 17 RBIs in their first six games of the year and then they brought in oh go ahead no no she's a stud yeah i mean she does it all she's like brooks kishnick she does it at the plate she does it on the mound they bring in colleen sullivan from ucla the current you know defending national champions she's been unbelievable at catcher for them janae jefferson is their all-American second baseman who got benched in a in a game in a 1-1 count. In the middle of her at-bat, she got benched for missing a hit-and-run sign um, against North Dakota State. That's how exacting and demanding Mike White is. He benches his All-American because no one is exempt. Right. And and then, you know, they, they add in Courtney Day, the freshman who was super on the mound for them this weekend. Um, and I think Mike White's really excited about um, Shailen O'Neal, who, you know, he says she's the best kept secret in in college softball as the number two pitcher for Texas. And, you know, I think he's trying to build her up because, look, they open with eight time defending Big 12 champion Oklahoma, four time national champion Oklahoma in Norman. They open Big 12 play against Oklahoma, who they have not beaten. They have not won a series against. And Mike White said, we've got to win a game against them. Right. And then a series. So, you know, we got to we got to keep grinding. We got to get better because that's coming at the end of this month. So uh, it's going to it's a lot of fun. I on the radio show with Mike, he's hardball hard. And I said, I'm softball. I'm softball brown because (laughs) I'm all over this Texas softball team. And Mike White, I think he's. you know, he's just what Texas needed, and, and that's going to be a great uh, showdown. Right now, Texas the higher-ranked team, but they haven't beaten Oklahoma. so Right. Yeah, uh, rival, too, and everything. Yeah. yeah. Red River shootout. Yeah. You know, one thing, Chip, I think that people aren't really talking about much right now, but, you know, this is one of the few hires that 
Chris Del Conte has made since he became the athletic director at Texas. And he made a tough decision of getting rid of literally the coach that started the softball program. And it wasn't that Texas softball was atrocious. You know, they were still winning games. They were still competitive, but he saw the need for change and he made that change. And, you know, he's, he's made changes at coaches for what this, and then the tennis program, tennis program goes on to win a national championship last season, the program's first national championship. I feel like if anything that people aren't talking about right now is Chris Del Conte knows what he is doing when it comes to hiring new coaches. And I think that you're seeing that specifically right now with the softball program, with Mike White being one of the biggest hires he has made since he became the AD at Texas. Yeah, and Edric Florial, uh, the track coach. That's and right, Texas, yes. Texas women's track uh, wins their third straight Big 12 indoor title. The men finished third, but the women um, have a chance to have a really special uh, year and and a really special NCAA indoor meet coming up. So um, Florial is doing a really nice job as well. So right. I agree. I think Del Conte, no, I say in Del Conte, we trust. And I've, I'm kind of a unabashed homer for the guy because heck, I was practically campaigning for him to get the job. I mean, after Steve right. Patterson and the wreckage that has ensued, uh, thanks to Steve Patterson and Chris Plotsky and their miserable leadership, um, from 2013 uh, to 2017, it was four years of damage that was done. Um, and then Del Conte comes in, actually finds a role for Plonsky, has put her right where she's at her best in sort of the grand picture of college athletics. Get her away from people. Don't let her manage people. She's terrible at that. Just keep her focused on, you know, the big picture media rights, where's that all going? Um, and, and of course, she helped put together the Longhorn Athletics Hall of Fame. Um, we've talked a lot on the flagship podcast about the you know, nearly $800 million in facility upgrades that are going on. But, um, yeah, it, it is. It's a great story. And, you know, I mean, if the day comes when he has to find a new men's basketball coach mm-hmm. in Del Conte, I trust. Yeah, or football. Eventually, I mean, or there's football. a lot of lot right. riding on that program right now too, and right. uh, you know, Tom Herman getting rid of seven assistant coaches, including both of his coordinators, just made that clock start ticking uh, on the you got to win, you got to win now because there's no more fingers to be pointed anywhere else. Uh, eventually, you know, once you get rid of your coordinators, all thing you may point your finger somewhere else, but every other finger is gonna be pointing back at you. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know, I think that's. It's, I think that Chris Del Conte will do what's right, you know, and obviously Tom Herman has some leeway right now um, just because I think that I do think that Texas should be good next season. Now, if they tank, then there's no excuse. You know, there's it's you're not replacing eight, eight starters on defense. You actually have one of the most experienced teams coming back in the conference. You're facing, you know, the defending national champions in LSU. But LSU, how many players did LSU Lose, include, yeah, including their defensive coordinator, longtime defense coordinator, and the guy that rebuilt and reshaped that offense um, that was led by Joe Burrow with Joe Brady going to the Carolina Panthers to work under Matt Rule's staff. I mean, that's not the same LSU team Texas faced in 2019. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, that's a, that's a topic. We'll, we'll go to football later, but, you know, kind of 
sticking with the baseball talk, Chip, I wanted to get a question before we go to our, our interview with Carrie uh, Caulfield, who um, helped basically put Pete Hansen, the uh, lefty freshman pitcher on Texas's radar as a recruit. Um, you know, we're excited to talk to him, but I wanted to take a question from one of our Horns 24-7 members. And uh, as Chip said, if you're not a member, go sign up for, you know, we have monthly plans, but the annual plan is the best deal that you're going to get. You'll get access to every team site. So if you're watching the softball and baseball team and the basketball teams right now, you can go over, you can go to the OU board and read what the the Sooners are thinking about their basketball, you know, the chances tonight and all of that. So definitely jump on those memberships. But um, this question comes from Tiff, Tip Off TX, uh, Horns 24-7 member, and he wants to uh, give your best guess on how far the baseball and softball teams make it at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think people are excited about uh, Texas baseball, and they should be, even though they went one and two uh, down at Minute Maid Park last weekend. They lost um, two one-run games, uh, obviously the first to LSU, but they beat number six Arkansas and and then lost a uh, heartbreaker uh, nine to eight to Missouri, but I think people see the promise of the young players for that team. But I've I've said tap the brakes on on baseball. These guys are going to be up and down, uh, and it it starts tonight. I mean they play Arizona, uh, then they play Cal State Fullerton, and the schedule's going to get tougher. And let's see how the young guys. They're not hitting very well as a team, but they're pitching really well. And and I think, you know, Kerry Caulfield's going to talk about a guy that you should be really excited about. I mean, yeah. a lefty freshman who's had four appearances and in, in pitched, uh, you know, almost 12 innings and has still got a zero ERA um, and is just a bulldog. But softball has a chance to win it all. And that's they, they've got the veteran experience. Miranda Ellish, uh, Mary Iacopo. Colleen Sullivan, um, Janae Jefferson, who's a junior. I mean, they've got juniors and seniors on that softball team who've been waiting for this for this moment. And Mike White knows that this is a team that's built to win it all. Uh, he's trying to bring along the young talent, you know, the Courtney Days, the Shailen O'Neills. Um, and that's why softball is going to be so fun to follow this year because you're going to know at the end of March when they play Oklahoma uh, if – you know, if they're, it'll be a good sign, a good barometer of, of where this Texas team can go. I mean, they've already beaten UCLA, the defending national champ on their field and number two, Washington. So I don't think I'm breaking any news here saying that Texas softball has a chance to be really special. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And, you know, the good thing is with baseball, it's not like basketball where you have promising freshman talent that you might lose after one year. Like you've got these guys until they're juniors. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be, I agree with you. I think people probably need to tap the brakes a little bit because, you know, I think baseball is just one of those sports where the, I mean, most, most college sports are this way. The more veteran players you have, the better likely chances you have of making, you know, a further run down the stretch of the, the schedule. But I do think that there's a lot of young talent. It's going to, it's got to get developed. And, you know, one, one thing credit to David Pierce for during the off season, going out and getting some former MLB players to join his staff as, you know, volunteer assistants with Houston street. And, um, uh, I always butcher his name. Tulowitzki. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's 
that's going to help Texas in the future. If, um, and I think that was a really smart move by David Pierce because, you know, these guys, you know, Houston Street is Houston Street. People know Texas baseball. They know, shoot, Texas football. His dad, what, you know, James Street did too. I think that, um, and then his brothers, you know, Justin Street and Jordan Street when they were at Texas. So I do think um, that was a, a really important move that probably didn't get a ton of the credit that David Pierce deserved in getting those volunteer assistants since there's so little, you know, few coaches that are available to be paid on staff. You know, those are guys that they don't need the money, clearly. <laughs> they right. uh, they made uh, their livings playing, you know, in the major leagues. So I think that that's, that's uh, going to help Texas, especially develop this young play, these young players moving forward. Yeah, no, good stuff. Good stuff there. Great, great uh, call too, Taylor, because, you know, in talking to the players, they they have really valued uh, the input of Troy Tulowitzki, especially those young infielders. I mean, Troy Tulowitzki is a gold glove uh, shortstop. He's he's a silver stick winner um, for the best batting average at his position. I mean, the guy is a complete player. And then you know, you add in the energy of Houston Street, um, working with the pitchers and um, with Sean Allen. I mean, look, Pierce has a good coaching staff. They've added to it, and and it's going to be up and down. I mean, I always say, I mean, when you have so many young players right up the middle of your uh, right up the middle of your defense, you can't say, oh, this team should be a super regional team. I mean, this team needs to try to be a regional team. It just right. needs to try to get into the postseason and then catch fire, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. walk before you run. You have to walk before you run with this, uh, especially with these young guys. And, uh, you know, Chip, on that note, let's bring in our very special guest, uh, Carrie Caulfield, who, as Chip mentioned earlier in the show, is the reason that why Texas has uh, that ace left-handed freshman pitcher and Pete Hansen. Um, he's the one that helped put him on Texas' radar um, it's a really interesting story. So let's bring in Kerry Caulfield. All right. Joining us now here on the flagship podcast at Horns247.com. This is uh, a fun uh, story, I think, because um, David Pierce, the, the Texas baseball coach, said he'd never had a recruitment start with a direct message on Twitter. And that is how the Texas Longhorns uh, became aware of Pete Hansen, the the lefty freshman pitcher for the Longhorns, who's off to an incredible start. He's got a zero ERA every time he comes into a game. He has just been outstanding. And joining us now on the flagship podcast is Kerry Caulfield, who is um, the parent of a teammate of Pete Hansen from their select baseball team in Northern California who sent the direct message on Twitter to Texas baseball that said, how can Texas not know that this 16 under pitcher, uh, Pete Hansen is interested in Texas. Uh, let me tell you, the guy is a dude and Carrie Caulfield joins us now. Carrie, I'm, you know, we're kind of meeting each other for the first time. But uh, welcome, first of all, to the flagship podcast. And uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for for uh, I guess tell us the story of how this happened because you're a you're a parent 
of a teammate of Pete Hansen from uh, the select baseball days in Northern California. And so tell us the story. Well, I professionally, I'm a, I'm a physical therapist and uh, my son played on this team with, uh, with the Hansen family, uh, Peter being the player, obviously. And I just love being involved with the kids. So, you know, before every game, I kind of served as their, their trainer, if you will. And we were, we were at a tournament in Florida, uh, playing obviously for NorCal baseball. Uh, Rob Bruno's our coach, very well-known program, a very high level program. Kids are just unbelievable athletes on this team and just great kids, great families. So we're in Florida and I'm, uh, I was actually stretching out the catcher, um, on our team. And, uh, in the background, I could see, I could see Peter walking around on a, on a phone talking to who I found out later, talking to a PAC 12 uh, baseball coach who was, uh, clearly communicating with him for recruiting purposes. Uh, Peter was starting this game. So he got to get stretched out, um, you know, after our, uh, after the catcher, and I was talking to Peter and I just was asking him who he was talking to because these times are very exciting. And I found great intrigue and, uh, uh, you know, communicating with the kids and just, you know, kind of feeling out how they felt about this and trying to enjoy uh, the excitement of, of the whole thing, you know, through them. And I found it really interesting that Peter was uh, actually very concerning to me that, that Peter was, was not very excited about this, this episode. And I asked him and, I asked him about it and he just was not, he was not thrilled to have gotten off the coach, gotten off the phone with a coach from the PAC 12. I, uh, I was asking why. And he said, well, his dream school was his dream was to go to, you know, university of Texas and, and pitch for them. And, and I asked, well, why are they not recruiting you? What's going on? I mean, clearly Peter was, I don't know if he was the best pitcher on our team. He's a, he's a great pitcher. Um, we had a lot of just great kids and great pitchers, but Peter was definitely in that upper echelon of the the great kids on our team. And uh, there was no reason in my mind that any school in the country wouldn't be looking at this guy. Um, There was part of us. Some of us were even thinking the kid would get drafted out of, uh, out of high school. Um, And clearly there was talk about that, but anyway, he was frustrated by this and it, it actually kind of bothered me uh, to be honest. I was, I was, uh, I was very concerned. I loved the well-being of the kids, you know, the whole thing. And I just was concerned. This kid is at the, I mean, a very exciting time in his life. And, and he just wasn't excited about it. He, he just, wasn't feeling it. No, it wasn't at all. Cause his dream school wasn't talking to him. So that I, you know, we're at this, this tournament in Florida for, I, I think it was the better part of a week. And I think a couple days later I was sitting watching the games and I was probably just flipping around on Twitter and I saw university of Texas baseball and, um, everybody laughs at me cause I'm not afraid to talk to anybody. So <laughs> I just sent a direct message, <laughs> you know, to this site. I didn't know who I was really reaching out to at the time, but, and, uh, you, you pretty much quoted my message just essentially like, how do you guys not know about this kid? It's just shocking to me. Yeah. And this um, was in July of 2017. Yes. And I believe that was the summer. I'm not sure if it was the summer before their junior year or, I, I lose track of time, unfortunately, but yes, um, it was. Yes. Okay. So anyway, I just sent the message and quite honestly, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't say anything. I just let it be. And, uh, I, I as a person, <laughs> I was just absolutely tickled when about a month 
a month or maybe even six weeks later, I got a return from that direct me- direct message um, on Twitter, the little hook'em horn symbol, uh, without any without anything else. It was just that symbol, and I I just I knew exactly what it was immediately, and I just uh, it just totally made me laugh, and I was just filled with uh, joy and excitement that um, at least there was some communication all happening. At the time, I had no idea that. I didn't know if they were even really recruiting Peter. Maybe they didn't even like him at the time. I don't know. Maybe well, they did. I'll, I'll step in here and say that um, uh, David Pierce, because I was asking about all these freshmen on the Texas baseball team, many of whom are in key roles, you know, Trey Faltini um, at shortstop and Brennan Dixon at second base and um, Andre Duplantier is a, a pitcher and infielder and Pete Hansen and, and when I mentioned Pete Hansen, he said, well, we we discovered him on Twitter. And he said it was actually Carly Todd, the director of player development, who noticed your direct message. And she followed up on it, looked him up, saw that he was going to be playing in the area code games, which is a big showcase for, um, you know, up and coming high school talent to, to play in front of college coaches and MLB scouts and and Pierce was headed to the area code games uh, already, but made a note, you know, to look for Pete Hansen. And sure enough, I mean, he he saw him, he liked what he saw. And as you said, a month later, he was on campus and committed. So it all started with your your direct message. Now, did did uh, Pete ever uh, contact you to say, hey, you're not going to believe this? Um, this is how it all got started or did Carly Todd or anyone from Texas? Uh, you know, Peter never, to my knowledge, he never, he never called me and told me, I remember telling his dad just after I got the return message, you know, just the hook of horn sign. I, uh, I, I just remember showing his dad and I don't know that his dad even really believed that, that <laughs> I was involved in this or, or anything. And I just said, Hey, I just thought this was super cool. I wanted to show you um, I, I, I looked at it just kind of as a random act of, of I don't want to say kindness. I don't want to overblow this or anything, but I was just, you know, trying to help the kid out. And I just thought it was super cool that the communication happened. Uh, but now definitely, uh, now definitely Peter, he actually communicated with my son, um, uh, who's playing up here in Northern California. And he, he sent me, uh, the, he sent us the video. He sent my son, the video of, I guess it's the head coach. Um, being quoted as saying that he found Peter on Twitter. So he said, Hey, this is your dad. <laughs> That's so. awesome. Now, who is your son? So that we, we get the connection, your son who plays on, you know, who played on the, the Nor NorCal select team with Peter. Yeah, he played for NorCal baseball. His name is Garen Caulfield and uh, he's a freshman. He, uh, uh, he's playing at San Joaquin Delta uh, junior college this year. And, uh, actually he's redshirting this year. I, I should be clear on that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Just has stayed friends with a lot of those guys. It was such a, such a great team. And, um, you know, there's such great relationships with all the travel and the real family atmosphere that, that Rob Bruno just, you know, facilitates on that whole team. It was just the best experience ever. So what stood out about Peter? Um, you know, cause for those, for our listeners who are just getting to know him just by seeing him perform in, you know, in his outings most recently, 
uh, down in Houston at Minute Maid Park. Um, what, you know, describe Peter as you knew him on, uh, on the select team. Well, I'll tell you, without a doubt, I can answer that question. Peter is a competitor. Um, obviously, he's a, he's a, a good-sized kid, uh, but even at, on NorCal, he wasn't the biggest pitcher that we had. Um, velocity-wise, he throws obviously very well. He's got, you know, he could move the ball, and he, he has great velocity. But he probably wasn't the guy throwing the hardest on our team. But by far, what stands out about Peter and what made him my favorite um, – as a pitcher it was he's just a competitor man that guy just gets after it and i can tell you the games when we played teams that were that were better than we were and peter was pitching and and he would just i mean he would carry the team on his back and he would you know he'd strike out a guy and i'd hear him yelling under his breath you know what are you doing looking at that pitch or you know he was just <laughs> he was just he was great i just love the competitive nature that kid just does not want to lose uh and, you know, he's a leader. And, uh, you know, the, the thing as a kid, though, I got to say, I just he is just the most polite, most polite kid ever. Always comes up like when my son would be playing and his team wasn't. He'd come up and shake my hand and say hello and ask, you know, legitimate questions and can carry on a conversation. Just a great guy. Just a great guy. Talking to, to Kerry Caulfield, who sent the direct message to Texas saying, how can Texas you know, not know that this uh, 16 and under pitcher, Peter Hansen, uh, wants to to be a Longhorn. Because let me tell you, the guy is a dude, and and he is a dude. I mean, I I I do a, a sports talk morning show here in Austin on the iHeart station, and my co-host played pro baseball. He was a second round draft pick at the Montreal Expos. He thinks uh, Peter has closer material. Um, others think, you know, he'll he'll be a starter or, you know, middle reliever. But that that closer mentality, I mean, that's about as as high a, a compliment as you can get. Um, any other anecdotes, Carrie, that that stand out uh, with regard to to Peter? You know, other situations where you saw him uh, in that competitive fire. Well, our high school, my son went to a, a rival high school of his, same league, and uh, both very good baseball programs. And, um, that, you know, just the competitive nature of Peter just is, is exactly what I would always enjoy seeing him, seeing him when he was pitching. Um, so I saw him a lot in high school, and he's just, you know, he's, he's just the same guy. He's just, he seems like he's a fun-loving kid. Um, of course, they went to different high schools, so my son and he didn't hang out a ton. Um, so I didn't get exposed to him outside of our travel baseball very much but just you know fun loving kid had lots of friends around definitely a leader um i just i i love hearing people talk about about him and his development and what he you know a closer and starter and man i'll be as another parent i just am so happy that he's having a great college experience he's going to his dream school because man that's that's just what it's all about well and he was born in dallas and then moved to northern california he went to el dorado hills high school and i guess you know his the roots that his family had in texas um you know caused him to be a longhorn fan growing up in northern california because he i think he was in you know he was in northern california when he was five years old so it wasn't like he has much of a recollection from his time um in texas what did he say to you when you talked to him about that conversation that he 
he hung up the phone with the Pac-12 coach and, you know, seemed kind of nonplussed about it. And what what did he say it was about Texas? Well, I think um, if my memory serves me, I'm, um, it was a couple of years ago, of course. Um, I just remember him talking about he's always wanted to go to Texas. I don't I don't remember any details. I knew that his family was from Texas um, at some level. Um, again, I don't know. I, I don't know a lot of the details, but he, I just remember he, he was just focused on Texas. I just want to go to Texas. The only place I've ever wanted to go. That's something. That is something. Yeah. And when I asked David Pierce about it, he, he said, listen, you got to go talk to Carly Todd because she's the one who saw the direct message that you sent. Um, And have you talked to, to Carly at all or has she reached out? I have not. Well, this no. is this is really cool. I mean, I, I got to say, I've been covering Texas for 28 years. I can't remember a story like this where it really is a, a you know, a post on social media out of the blue that that leads to this kind of a recruitment. And I mean, there's Pete at the top of the, the pitching st- statistics, you know, 11 and two thirds innings pitched zero ERA. Um, he's already got a, a win and a save and he's doing it against top notch competition. And, you know, Texas is getting ready to play Cal state Fullerton, uh, this, this weekend. And I mean, he's going to be right in the middle of it and, and it doesn't surprise you. It sounds like, Oh, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I will say that, uh, this is maybe a little off topic, but if I were ever to send a direct message or an email or something for my son, he would absolutely shoot me because <laughs> we are just not, we are not that kind of family. And, um, I don't tweet my son's, you know, every little base hit he gets. And I don't, we're not, we don't brag like that. We just let the, let the play, you know, show, uh, what it needs to show. And, um, I, I've been really happy because my son was, uh, it seemed, he seemed to be a bit proud that I, uh, I did this for somebody else on his team and not, not him. And uh, again, just the joy of being involved with that whole NorCal family and just it's kind of what everybody did. You know, I mean, if coaches were ever watching other kids and asking around about character or whatever, we just we all tried to help each other out. So it was super cool. So there were times where he would throw a pitch and a guy would get Cade looking and he'd say, what are you doing looking at that pitch, that fire? Any other? Oh, I can tell you that that happened. That that is that is that happened. That was when we were in Florida playing. I, I I don't know if it was like the Florida Heat or some really high level team that they had. They were really good. I think they were taking it to us for a couple innings, and I don't know if we were just shell shocked or what happened. But uh, I, it was second, third, fourth inning, something like that. And that that actually happened, and I will never forget that about Peter. Never. Wow, that is uh, uh, that's that's really good stuff. Carrie, I uh, I appreciate you reaching back out to me because, like I said, I I can't remember, you know, a situation like this. I mean, obviously, if if Pete Hansen is is pitching in the area code games, he's a high level prospect, and and I, oftentimes a lot of coaches don't, you know, stray too far out of their, um, you know, recruiting areas um, unless unless they know that a kid is has a high level of interest and. Um, I think even Pierce was surprised how quickly it all came around because he went out to the area code games, saw Pete Hansen, and then, you know, you sent your direct message in July, and he was committed, I think, on August 24th of 2017. So 
this this moved really quickly. Yeah, I was. I'm, I'm a little surprised that it actually did happen. And you know, with all these area code games and all these things that are, you know, there's always good players. There's good players everywhere, right? But there's some of this stuff is so political, and you don't really know, you know, how the people got in there and how they didn't, and the guys that deserve to be there versus, you know, you pay to get your kid in to do this stuff. It's it's actually looking back on it now, it's quite hilarious. But um, I, I just I'm just really happy that it worked out for Peter, you know, be it area code games or a direct message or whatever. I think it's great. Have you talked to Peter since he's been at Texas? I have not talked to him. My son is actually uh, going to be playing in a college summer uh, league down there in Corpus Christi this, this summer. So we're definitely going to hook up with them and I might throw a little application in as a recruiting coordinator. For <laughs> Why not? Texas baseball. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> well, Carrie, this is a great story and good for you. I'm a, I'm a parent. I got a 17 year old son. Um, and good for you, you know, for, for asking questions, listening and, and, uh, and looking out for the kid and, and look what it led to really, really cool. Well, the whole thing's cool. And obviously you guys have a class program, a class school, everyone dreams of going to Texas, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, it's definitely on that list of schools and uh, it's just, it's cool to see a kid, local kid, you know, just doing well and uh, being, being who he is and enjoying the heck out of it. Well, I can tell you there are a lot of Texas fans who are very, very appreciative of you sending that direct message because um, Pete Hansen is one of the best stories so far of this baseball season. And uh, he's going to be a lot of fun uh, to watch, uh, you know, uh, Keith Moreland, who does the, the Texas games on the Longhorn Network. Uh, is already talking about how this kid has the stuff uh, to be a starter. So uh, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun to watch. And and again, good for you for for reaching out on on Pete Hansen's uh, behalf. And um, this is going to be a fun story to to follow. I'll definitely be in touch. Awesome. I appreciate uh, appreciate you even talking about it. It's just it's just a lot of fun to be honest. That's all. Well, so. Carrie. Thanks. God bless. And, uh, and we'll be in touch. Thanks for joining us on the uh, flagship podcast here at horns 247com Awesome. Thank you for having me. All right. And the flagship podcast rolls on. Great stuff with Gary Caulfield. And thank you so much to him for joining us and giving us this kind of behind the scenes take on Texas um, recruiting Pete Hansen, the ace left-handed pitcher you know, Chip, I thought it was really interesting just to hear him kind of talk about, you know, he didn't want it to be about him. He didn't want this, you know, his, his kid would have killed him if he would have done. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, his his, his uh, son who played with Pete Hansen and that select team, you know, he was proud of it. It sounded like he was proud of his dad for going kind of the extra mile. And I think, you know, um, a lot of times you get people like that, that could be the look at me guy like oh I'm I'm the reason why that kid's at Texas like they need to be thanking me and I, I like to, to hear him talk about it and be so humble about the situation I think is really cool and it just shows that extra level of of care I think that you get a lot of times from people in sports and especially when you're parents of players you know it, it doesn't always have to be a situation where you're competing with every other 
you know, player, your son's players on the field or your daughter's players on the field. And you can't help somebody out just because, oh, well, well, my kid needs to be getting that attention. You know, it, it's a, it's a selfless act. And I think that in today's society, it's really hard to come across people who do selfless acts like that. And um, when there's really no, you know, personal benefit for them. I just think that was so cool. I loved hearing his story and, you know, and great stuff for you, Chip. You're, you're the kind of the one that dug this one out. You wrote about this last week before the Shriners um, uh, Hospital for Children College Classic. You know, I think that story was really cool. You, you know, you picked up on David Pierce talking about how uh, he became on Texas Radar. You started digging into it. And I just think that it's really awesome that, um, you know, Kerry Caulfield just went out of his way to help somebody when there was really no reward on his end. It just is a really cool thing. Yeah. I mean, listen, I grew up playing tennis. I watched parents get into fights over, oh, their, yeah. over their kids and one dad stuff another dad into a trash can. I mean, you know, tennis parents are the worst. So to to see that in exactly what you said, a parent looking out for another child uh, i think it's fantastic and and look pete hansen i mean my man harbaugh harge on am 1300 the zone my co-host on the morning show who played 13 years of minor league baseball he thinks that hansen has the stuff to be the closer Mm -hmm. now i heard you know keith moreland say on the longhorn network he thinks that pete hansen has the stuff to be a starter i'm kind of wondering who he would replace, you know, would he replace Bryce Elder, Ty Madden, Coy Cobb, um, or maybe Keith just means eventually, but whatever it is, this kid has that bulldog mentality that Texas fans love that they came to know and love from Roger Clements and, and Greg Swindell. And, um, you know, let's, let's, I know tap the brakes, but this kid and a lefty, I mean, my God, when was the last time there was an impact lefty at Texas? for crying out loud. I mean, outside of like one or two innings of middle relief. So uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Well, let's let's change gears. We haven't talked a lot of football. Uh, We have some questions from our our members on some football questions. So this past week, the NFL draft or scouting combine, excuse me, uh, went down. Texas had four players there. However, two of them, Brandon Jones and Colin Johnson, had injuries that kept them out from um, on-field drills. Colin Johnson did do the bench press and actually was one of the best uh, receivers of the group on the day. I think he was the fourth or fifth. I don't have the number in front of me, but put up 17 reps on the bench. And then uh, Malcolm Roach and Devin Duvernay did go through the on-field drills. Um, you know, Roach, man, he posted, what was it, 48440? Like that was, I was kind of thinking like, He's like, what, 290 pounds? I don't know if I'd want that guy running me down. I'll just tell you that. Right. <laughs> that was uh, pretty impressive. But, um, you know, I wanted to take a question from our members. And with the NFL draft coming up, uh, this question comes from Ray Horn 14 And they want to know, of the current roster, list the player who you think will have a chance to be an NFL draft pick. And are there any first rounders on the current roster? Well, I think it's going to be uh, fun to watch some of these, you know, young players develop. I mean, I think, look, Sam Cosme's a guy who needs to take another step. Mm-hmm. And, 
And if he does, I think there's going to be a team that might value him uh, highly. Uh, I'm not sure that he's a first rounder, but I think he could be a, a second round pick. And and then, you know, you start to look at some of those defensive linemen. I mean, I think Keandre Coburn, because of his motor, could develop into a first round pick. I I've compared him to Marcus Tubbs. Uh, Tubbs ended up being a first round pick, 21st overall, uh, because he's got great uh, leverage, low center gravity. He's hard to move. I think he's getting better with his hands. I mean, this is a, a guy who's really just learning the position. And once he gets the, you know, the tricks of the trade with, with using his hands to shed blocks and, and jerk people and, you know, throw them around, control one gap, two gaps, whatever's required. I think Keandre Coburn could play himself uh, into a first round pick. And then let's see where the, the defensive backs, you know, how they develop because there's a lot of hope for, for Caden Stearns. I don't know that he's physical enough yet to be a first round pick. He's certainly got the speed, the range, the ball skills, but, um, if you could combine Chris Brown and his physicality with Caden Stearns, there's your first round pick. (laughs) I think, I think, um, you know, Chris Brown could, could, if he can stay healthy and, and have a, have the kind of year I think he can have, he could, he could have a Kenny Vaccaro type, um, type season. I mean, I, I think people are sleeping on Chris Brown. I've, I've said, I've got NFL scouts who are drooling over this kid and I think he's got uh, he's got a high ceiling. Um, he might he might surprise this year. And then when you look at the you know the athleticism of guys like Demarvi and Overshawn, I got a, a question um, the other day. You know, could he be Isaiah Simmons, the the Clemson linebacker who ran four three nine at two hundred and thirty eight pounds? I mean, why not? You know, I mean. DeMarvin Overshawn is a freak and he's he's built a lot like Isaiah Simmons. I don't know that he's that fast, but um, you know, DeMarvin Overshawn's gotta stay healthy. He's gotta yeah. he's gotta put on some armor and then he's gotta show he can stay healthy. I think the scheme is gonna help him. And um and same with BJ Foster and then, you know, the corners. I mean, there's a lot of upside, Taylor. You know this. You've covered these guys. I mean, Jalen Green. Um, even a guy like Deshaun Jameson, he's, he's just such a playmaker. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of upside. I'm not gonna, you know, start anointing guys as first round picks, but I think there's some guys who can develop into a first round pick and, um, you know, Keandre Coburn's probably at the top of my list right now. Yeah, I agree with that, especially with the defensive backs. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, I think it I think it threw a lot of Texas fans off actually when Tom Herman during his signing day press conference for that 2018 signing class which was without a doubt the best defensive back haul probably in since the start of the industry that we work in the recruiting type of um industry I mean that was so impressive when Texas signed BJ Foster, Caden Stearns, Jalen Green, Deshaun Jameson, Anthony Cook. I mean DeMarvin Overshawn, he was kind of like a back end, you know, it's like this is that was an insane defensive back haul. So I think a lot of people are going to be looking at those DBs. But the one thing that Tom Herman said after they signed that 2018 class was that Jalen Green is a three year guy, 
Well, the difference, you know, I think Texas fans needed to pump the brakes a little bit. I thought that was a little unfair for Tom to kind of anoint him as that type of player when there were two seniors who were veterans ahead of him. You know, last season was the first season Jalen Green stepped foot on the field as a, as a starter, as a multi-game starter, too. I mean, he, you know, he played in uh, as a backup role um, when Chris Boyd and Devontae Davis were around. But, you know, I think that I wouldn't say that he is that first round guy, but I do think that based off of the progression you saw from him as a first time starter in 2019, I don't think that got enough credit that it probably deserved in my opinion. I think that he has a really high ceiling and um, if he continues to develop, I think, you know, not probably not next year's draft, the year after if he develops and the, the, you know, there's no injuries or anything that holds him back or anything. I think he could be, I'm not saying a first round, but I would say probably, you know, top two or three round pick, kind of like the Holton Hill, who should have been, in my opinion, probably a second round pick or um, at worst third round pick if he could have uh, stayed out of trouble, <laughs> we'll say. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, without saying what it was, say, you know, he's had multiple suspensions in the NFL too. And, and that's another thing too. Look at Holton Hill. Okay. So this guy's had two drug suspensions in the NFL, one for, um, you know, performance enhancing drugs and then one for, uh, recreational drug use. And he's still on an NFL roster. Like that's how good that kid was. He for sure, in my opinion, Chip would have been a second or probably, probably a top second round pick had he not gotten in trouble at Texas. But I do think that, um, Jalen Green could, could be, kind of that second, third round guy. I think Joseph Osai probably could develop into that, um, depending on, you know, kind of how the transition and the new defense goes for him. I think that he's somebody who has a high ceiling, but, you know, as you mentioned, I think you're probably right about Keandre Coburn. Like he has everything. I mean, you know, it was, it was so unfortunate in the Alamo Bowl when he got penalized when, you know, Texas stops Utah in the red zone on fourth down and then Keandre Coburn gets flagged for playing without a helmet on. But that just showed me his motor because I think that's the dumbest rule in football. I understand why it's a rule because you don't want these players playing without helmets with just the the um, head injuries that happen with football. And uh, But you essentially are telling these guys to go against what is their instinct, which is to attack the ball. And I thought that that play, well, you know, I felt, I felt bad for Keandre kind of, cause you saw him on the sideline. You, he just looked defeated a little bit, but at the same time, I was like, that's what you want from your defensive line. You want that motor. You want that guy that says, screw it. I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to go take this ball out. Even if I don't have a helmet on, <laughs> and, you know, right. and um, I, I agree with you on that. I think that, he has some of those intangibles that are difficult to coach, and that's what you essentially want in players. You know, you don't want to have to coach them to be aggressive or coach them to be instigators or coach them to have some motor. That's stuff that is kind of innate, I think, when in people, just like leadership. You can't really coach people how to be a leader. You can teach them how to do better things, but if you're not a true natural-born leader, you're always going to be kind of uncomfortable, which causes other people to question you if you're not comfortable in what you are. And so I do think that Keandre Coburn has some of those intangibles that teams are going to salivate after when he um, becomes a draft prospect. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point. Great, great pointing out of uh, that play in the Alamo Bowl because Coburn's a man. He's a 
he's a beast. He's got he's got a ton of dog in him, and he only knows one way, and that is all out, and it's contagious, and you want that up front. Absolutely. All right, well, let's close it out with uh, this question from, I'm apologizing if I am messing or butchering this, but Q-Dog, uh, or K-Dog, uh, Q-U-E Dog 90, <laughs> he says, has Texas weathered the commitment miss of Walker Little, the Stanford offensive lineman, with the development of Samuel Cosme? Um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I think there's still more um, from, from Sam Cosme. And, you know, last year was a, was an, a weird year on offense. Um, I thought Cosme was riding high, playing with confidence. I thought the whole offensive line was riding high, playing with confidence until the OU game. I mean, it was like, it was like they were completely surprised by OU's game plan, all the stunting and twisting. And considering Cosme had run his mouth a little bit that week saying, oh, you know, their front is is talented but you know not nothing too much to worry about and maybe you know woke up a sleeping giant uh and then you give up nine sacks 15 tackles for loss in a single game that's humiliating yeah and i don't think we saw that offensive line thrive again uh like that like they had even against lsu again right um, and that they, they got to take it up a notch. Now, I think Mike Yersich, I cannot say this enough. I think Mike Yersich is going to help Sam Cosme. And that's because when you have a full-time offensive coordinator who that's his sole mission is to come up with the, the most genius game plan. He's involved in it from start to finish. He's calling the plays. He's coaching the players to that game plan as opposed to a committee putting the game plan together and then Tom Herman kind of coming in and crash coursing it yeah, and calling the plays, mm-hmm. you know, that that's not a recipe for success. And it, it definitely caught up to Texas. It, it got them mm-hmm. and the offense fell off. Good on Tom Herman for making the change, recognize it, making the change. But, Mike Yursich is going to help Sam Cosme. He's going to help Junior Angelau. He's going to help Derek Kerstetter and whoever wins the offensive line positions on that right side of the line. I hear Denzel Okafor is having a really good uh, winter. So, you know, that's, that's going to make a big difference, Taylor. And I think my, que- my answer to that question right now is, is maybe. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incomplete, but... I expect Cosme to take another step. I think Mike Yersich is going to help him get there. And then maybe we revisit that question, um, you know, in November. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And, and you know, one thing with Walker Little, he's coming back for his senior year. And Cosme's going to be entering his, what, redshirt Redshirt junior. Yeah. Yeah, So, um, you know, I think I think it was I think a lot of people were actually surprised that Walker Little made the decision to return for his senior year, but he missed what did he miss the majority of the twenty nineteen or all of it with a injury? Yeah. I'm, yeah. It, economically it makes more sense for him to come back and and try to put some really good film together and yeah. um uh, and try to boost his his stock. Yeah, and that I will say that kid, you know, I covered Walker Little as a recruit. That kid's a monster like yeah. I mean 
you know, I, I still like he was a five star and I still don't think he necessarily got the um, all, all of the credit he deserved because he was at, you know, that. Um, oh, shoot. What was it? It was a Bel Air Episcopal. He was at one of the um, private schools in Houston. So he's going up against guys that, you know, it almost looks like the movie The Blind Side, where <laughs> it's like he's running guys across the field because he's so much bigger than them. But seeing him, I saw him compete at opening regional camps. I saw him compete at the opening finals. That kid against the best defense alignment in that recruiting class in 2017, he was superior to them. So um, and I think it's kind of asking a lot of Sam Cosme, who was a three-star recruit to a five, a true, true five-star and Walker Little, in my opinion. Um, you know, the comparison's not there. But the fact that that you're able to even put them in the same sentence, I think, shows that Texas found kind of that diamond in the rough in Sam Cosme. They um, stuck with stuck with their recruiting strategy, even you know after they were hired at, um, from Houston at Texas, and they brought some of those guys, including Sam Cosme, uh, from that commitment class that they had at Houston. Which, you know, when you're recruiting at Houston, you're you're not going after the same guys all the time. That you want to go after some the same guys all the time that the schools like Texas are. But the reality is. You're just not always going to get those guys. They only had one five-star, you know, uh, commitment ever in Ed Oliver, which was under Tom Herman's staff. So I do think that the uh, coaches that recognized him, that they're, you know, they're not on staff anymore at Texas. But um, I think that that was a huge credit to them to recognize the talent and the upside that Sam Cosme has, even though he was not a top-tier recruit. Yeah. Yeah. No, they've they've uh, done a nice job of um... – you know, identifying talent and, you know, Tavondre Sweat is another guy, three star, um, you know, from East Texas. By the time Texas got him committed, everybody was all over the guy and his recruiting ranking went straight up. So uh, Tavondre Sweat's another guy. We were talking about, you know, players who could develop into a first round type player. I mean, keep your eye on Tavondre Sweat when you get on the field as a freshman and that in the defensive line already has, um, you know, Taquan Graham and Malcolm Roach and, and Keandre Coburn, that's saying something. And right. I, I think Savandre sweat could have a, a big year this year. And, you know, that defensive line, which I've said outside of quarterback is the hardest position to recruit a difference maker on the defensive line, especially a tackle. Um, Texas has done a nice job of, of finding those guys. So uh, kudos to the, to the coaching staff and, you know, you got to identify the talent. You got to do a good job of evaluation and then you got to do a good job of developing. And, and so we'll see how some of these guys grow, but Taylor, great stuff this week. I hope everyone enjoyed uh, the conversation with Kerry Caulfield and that story. Keep watching Pete Hansen, number 33 for the Longhorns. He's going to be fun to watch and grow. And uh, and then we'll see what happens with Shaka Smart uh, and and the number one Texas softball team. And kudos again to Eddie Reese. My gosh, this is, what, 41 in a row, Taylor? 41 conference championships in a row. 41. 41. Every Big 12 championship in a row, too, mind yeah. you. <laughs> he, he was hired in 1978 by Daryl Royal. Uh, and he's won every conference championship since. Is that good? 
Yeah. I think that should be the Texas standard, right? <laughs> that should be the Texas standard. And all he does is, you know, walk around like Yoda. You know, people <laughs> come up to him. Eddie, you know, Rick Barnes, everybody, Charlie Strong, Tom Herman. They all ask him, you know, what's the key? What's the key? And he's like, listen to your athletes. Listen to what they're telling you. They're telling you how to coach them. They're telling you what uh, what they're, you know, where their next uh, level that they can go is. And, um, you know, the guy's amazing. So kudos to Eddie Reese and to um, Texas Women's Swimming, which has won eight in a row, mm-hmm. uh, eight Big 12 Conference championships in a row. The Texas men are number one in the nation. Shocker. Right. (laughs) And he's got studs that aren't even really competing yet. I mean, the guy is just still stockpiling the talent, uh, but it's so much fun to watch. So um, we'll have much more uh, next week on the flagship podcast. Very special guest. I'm not even going to give it away, but he plays in the NFL. He's a big dude. And, uh, you know, to play at Texas, to play at Texas. Yeah, yeah, America's team, too. We'll see. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, with that, we'll uh, we'll leave you hanging. <laughs> no, tease, tease to next week on the flagship podcast. Thank you, Taylor. You're the best. You you make this uh, flagship podcast happen. And thank you to everyone who's listening. And don't forget, become an annual member at Horns247.com so you get premium VIP access to every team site on the 24/7 Sports Network. All right, we'll talk to you next week.